Good morning, and thank you for braving the weather today. I always think that today is an important day of of reflection. In Shakespeare's Henry V, King Harry, as he was affectionately known, gave a speech to his men before a terrible battle. The real battle that Shakespeare was writing about was known as the Battle of Agincourt, and it was fought in 1415. Having already fought several battles and, and, and marching, the Englishmen were exhausted, and they were dying from disease when they again encountered the French. The English were outnumbered ten to one. This speech, known as the St. Crispin's Day speech, as the battle was fought on St. Crispin's Day, is one of Shakespeare's finest. You see, outnumbered ten to one, one of the king's cousins wishes out loud that there were more Englishmen. And so the king, hearing this, turns to his army of 1,000 men who were all wishing for more Englishmen as they looked across the field at 10,000 Frenchmen. And this is the speech where the king says, we happy few, we band of brothers. The king explains that it is because they are so outnumbered that they will be known for eternity when they prevail. He says, the fewer men, the greater share of honor. And he ends the speech with this. And gentlemen in England, now abed, shall think themselves accursed they were not here, and hold their manhoods cheap, whiles any speaks that fought with us upon St. Crispin's Day. And then, of course, the English prevail. A few years ago... I was involved in a First Amendment lawsuit in Bossier City. It was a separation of church and state case. We were asking that the school not promote one sect of religion to elementary school students. You see, they were giving candy to seven- and eight-year-olds to entice them to come to a meeting where their teachers preached about Jesus at recess. It was a simple legal case. They can't do that. The First Amendment says, it's Bossier City, so the First Amendment says you have freedom of and from religion. So you have the freedom to choose your religion, freedom of religion, and then you have the right to choose no religion, freedom from religion. So it was a simple legal case, but it was a relatively brutal political case. The Jewish family I represented, they were tormented. Their 12-year-old boy was surrounded by five or six other boys at school, and they threatened him. They said if they found out that it was his family that had filed the suit, among other things, they were going to break his arms. His eight-year-old little sister, and that's my Zoe's age, She came home from school every day crying for weeks, untold stories of teasing and threats, all for an eight-year-old to bear. The family finally left town. They moved. The father sought a transfer to Kansas City, and they left. It It was too much hate, and they were scared for their children. Tax-paying, well-educated, perfectly lovely people forced to leave Bossier City. In the middle of that case, though, the attorney on the other side told a congregation of 3,000 people, 
in Bossier City that there was a spiritual war going on in Shreveport, Bossier, and that I was the enemy. He said it several times in his speech, but it wasn't so much me personally. In the full context of the speech, it was what I symbolized. It was anyone who supported the separation of church and state. Really, it was anyone who believed in liberal religion or dared to call themselves liberal at all. And I don't mean just Republican versus Democrats. I mean liberal in a larger sense. Anyone who wants our government to help the poor, even though that means some may take advantage. Because even just one child who is starving for food or education or love is worth saving. I mean liberal as in anyone who believes in freedom of and from religion. Anyone who believes in a woman's right to determine what happens to her own body. Anyone who questions the portions of the Bible that call for the death of gays and lesbians. Anyone who questions the portions of the Bible that promote physically disciplining your wife. Or for the portions that accept slavery as a form of labor. I mean liberal as in anyone who believes that children should be free to find their own path when it comes to religion and spirituality. That, to me, is liberal or free thinking. Now, we Unitarians are so liberal that you don't have to believe or agree with anything I just said. There is no litmus test. Those are my feelings, and you are free to have your own feelings. And yet, as long as we respect each other, we're all welcome here. All souls are welcome here. I believe we are here today in remembrance of Dr. King to honor that kind of liberal thinking and liberal religion. When the attorney on the other side of the case said I was the enemy, he meant we are the enemy. And let me be the first to say, there is no place I'd rather be. You, you may recall, unfortunately, that this same attorney who declared the spiritual war was recently hired to be the dean of the law school that's going to be here in Shreveport a law school that is going to have a Bible-based curriculum. They're going to interpret the Constitution through the Bible, through their interpretation of the Bible. And, of course, now we have a school board member who has asked that a class in the Bible be offered in our public schools. This is where we live, Shreveport, Louisiana, Bible classes in elementary school and biblical interpretation of the Constitution in law school. If you think about that for just a moment, I think you'll find that we are in a unique place. We are uniquely in the forefront of the church and state constitutional debate or in the forefront of the spiritual war on God, depending on how you approach the the issue. How we approach this issue, how we as a church approach this issue, is really what I'm here to talk about. Because right now we are facing some very important internal issues. Our financial security, our identity in the community, and all the while we are facing an opposing philosophy that is better funded, better staffed, and unified in a simpler mission. 
but we will persevere. And Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. has shown us how. Allow me a moment to tie these ideas together. That is, when I, when I say there's no place I'd rather be, let me explain why. There's been a fair amount of talk lately in our church about our identity. There have been questions about whether we are insular, whether we need more outreach, whether we need to be bolder. And, of course, intrinsic in these ideas is the, in these questions is the idea that, that boldness and outreach will help us grow our membership. And that is the problem that has been plaguing us for quite some time. How do we grow our membership? If we only had more members, our pledge drives and fundraisers wouldn't be so difficult. Let me just weigh in on a few of these questions. Are we insular? Yes, I think so, when we need to be. There are many Sundays that I need to sit in here and take in this view and let Barbara give me strength. People like John and Audrey Allen give me strength. If you haven't had a chance to talk with John about what he does at the United Way or what Audrey does for the Goodwill Industries, you should take the time. They are inspiring and they give me strength. The children of this congregation give me strength. Delia Caldwell. I know she's not a child anymore, but when she was a teenager, to hear her talk, I mean, her compassion, her sense of justice, her desire to right what is wrong, every time I talked to her, she inspired me and she gave me strength. I find I am insular when I need rejuvenation, and I think that we as a church community come here to rejuvenate when we need to. And so I do think we are insular when we need to be. Are we bold? I think we are when we are called upon. Amanda's right that we could use a renewed sense of purpose and a renewed sense of boldness in our actions, but we have been bold when called upon. Whether it was the march for the Genus 6 or just in our very existence, we are bold in that we are here in opposition to those who would deny religious freedom. We are bold in our defiance of those who would deny gays and lesbians the right to have marriage ceremonies. We are here in support of equality and dignity for all minorities. As Dr. King said, and my father often quotes, the ultimate measure of a man is not where he stands in moments of comfort and convenience, but where he stands at times of challenge and controversy. In times of challenge and controversy, this church has stood on the side of justice and fairness and inclusiveness. We have been here and we will be here, and there is no place I'd rather be. As for outreach, I know we do some, but Amanda's right. We could do more. If we wanted to start a program of mentoring kids or a program of advocating for drug treatment rather than prison, if we wanted to join other churches with housing projects for the poor, I think we are willing and able to do all of that. But even with these ideas, there still seems to be some sort of lacking in the church. There is something that Amanda was calling for. 
Why can't we grow our membership to some magical number where we get enough pledges more easily? Or as Jared asked us a few months back, are we stagnating in some way? The lacking I think some of us feel, the need for more boldness or the void that we are calling a need for outreach, I think is actually something else. I think it's internal. My contribution to this dialogue, I think we lack for pride. Not pride to the point of conceit, but pride in the sense of confidence. Are we proud as Unitarian Universalists? Are we proud of our liberal religion? Do we hold our heads high when someone asks us where, do we, go to, where we go to church? Or do we whisper in a hushed tone? Do you look around the room before you answer that question? I think there is something that has happened to the collective conscience of this church because we have been so outnumbered for so long in this community. We've gotten quiet about our church and our beliefs. And I understand that from the outset, we are not a proselytizing group. But here in Shreveport Bossier, we are attacked so often for our liberal ideals. Or we see others attacked as liberals. Or we endure conservative diatribes on Fox News or by our co-workers. Or a prominent attorney tells a congregation of 3,000 that we are the enemy in a spiritual war. And when we are but 60 families, we may feel the need to be insular. We may quiet our ideas in reaction to the size and the volume of the opposing group. I bring all of these questions and issues to you today in honor of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. because I believe he provides the answer. Not to the question of whether we are bold or insular or have outreach programs. Those are for us to reflect upon. It's not even about pledge units or whether we need a retaining wall for the land eroding into the ravine. Although all of that is very important and we must continue to discuss it, Dr. King provides us the answer to the larger question of how we defend and maintain our liberal religion. Our elected officials are seeking to take religion, their religion, to our elementary schools. It's not just a few teachers anymore. Every child in our public schools may learn an interpretation of the Bible which says that being gay or lesbian is worthy of death. Every attorney who graduates from our law school may be joining the legal battle against us, and they may become elected judges. We have to figure out how to prepare for that. Just as we must shore up the eroding earth around us, we must be mindful of the eroding freedoms around us. But how do you prepare for a rational discussion with what seems like an irrational majority. I've heard more than one person in this congregation say that the political discourse has gotten so acrid that they can no longer have a reasonable discussion about it. It makes them too angry. And the anger stems from the idea that truth and logic have been lost in the debate. But we would do well to remember it was Dr. King who said, 
Hate destroys a man's sense of values and his objectivity. It causes him to describe the beautiful as ugly and the ugly as beautiful and to confuse the true with the false and the false with the true. It's hate. It's hate born of ignorance that we are facing. Hate born of ignorance is what makes a 12-year-old threaten another child with harm because he's Jewish. And I don't mean stupidity. I mean being ignorant of what it means to be Jewish, ignorant of the other. And so when you believe that some group that you don't understand is taking something away from you, it breeds hate. Hate born of ignorance excludes gays and lesbians. Again, not understanding that gays and lesbians are just regular folks in all walks of life, it's terribly easy to make such a group a scapegoat for life's tribulations. Hate born of ignorance led to the racial divide in Gina. Hate born of ignorance now divides Republicans from Democrats and conservatives from liberals. And right here at home, hate born of ignorance is what makes someone declare a spiritual war and pronounce an enemy. They don't understand who we are. They are ignorant of who we are as Unitarian Universalists. They don't understand that we love our children in the same way. They don't understand that we wish for the same joy and peace in our lives. And our collective quiet in the face of a growing bitterness only prolongs that divide. And so again, we must listen to the words of Dr. King who said, Darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. We have to drive out the darkness of ignorance with the light of knowledge. We have to introduce ourselves more often and more prominently to the community at large not necessarily in an outreach program, but as individuals as well. And this is first about loving what we are and being proud of what we are. Certainly we should look for more opportunities for outreach, but we should do something inside ourselves as well. We should feel proud of ourselves. We should feel confident in our liberal ideals. This is the light of knowledge. We have to let the community see the light that shines through these windows to see who we are. And when we are proud of our liberal religion, it must not be with conceit or spite. It must be, as Dr. King taught us, with love. We don't hate those who stand against us. We don't stand with spite against those who disagree with us. We don't demand that they be like us. We show them the love we have for our liberal ideals. We have to drive out the bitterness and the hate of those that are different with the love of our common dreams and our common humanity. And we have to open our minds that we might see our common dreams in them. We have to see their love for their children and their hopes for their future. We have to find a common humanity that we can love. 
Now, you may be thinking that you cannot love someone who is striving to take away your freedoms. That you cannot love someone who would deny rights to gays and lesbians. That you cannot love someone who would deny a woman the right to control her own body. And so let me be very clear. We must maintain our freedoms. That means standing in defiance of the majority, defending the Constitution and our rights. But we must do it from a desire to find common ground. We must do it from a sense of love rather than a desire to drive out those who think differently. We must match any hate brought to our door with love. I'm not saying it's easy, but we must respect the words and the wisdom of Dr. King. And so I finally come to our ongoing internal struggle. How do we grow our membership? When will we finally reach some number that will lift the burdens of running this church? I submit to you this. Our financial concerns, the constant push for membership, the building maintenance which symbolizes the environment we face, the difficulties we face in pledge drives and fundraisers, they're all a blessing. In fact, they're necessary. We need those struggles. We need those burdens. It's not that I think we need fewer families like King Harry, but we need those burdens. We are but 60 families struggling to maintain liberal religion in Shreveport, Louisiana. And we aren't facing simply one church with 3,000 members. It's dozens of churches. But it is the very difficulty of maintaining this church with so few that has made us strong. We have worked long hours together, late hours together. We know each other's families. We've cared for each other's children. We have opened ourselves up and brought our creativity to the task. We own this struggle, and we are personally invested in it. If it were easy, would we be united when called upon to be bold? If it were easy, would we know each other enough to trust each other in times of adversity? We've grown to rely on one another. We've developed trust and a sense of belonging. Belonging not based in simple notions, but in complex ideas and deeply felt beliefs. I love this church, and there is no place I'd rather be. We happy few are, maintaining, are responsible for maintaining liberal religion in Shreveport, Louisiana. We 60 families will take Dr. King's lessons of light and love, and we will show our community that our freedom of and from religion, our freedom of speech, our unbiased public education is what makes this democracy great. But it is only because we have faced all of this ongoing adversity that we are able to persevere in the real cause. It is because we are uniquely in the forefront of the national debate on church and state. It is because we are only 60 families. 
It is the improbable nature of our struggle and our success that will help to shine a light on our cause, and that light will drive out the darkness, as Dr. King taught us. That light will drive out the ignorance and the hate. That light and our love, our love for one another and our love for liberal ideals and freedom. And when the community sees the love, when the community sees that we are proud, the members will come. It's not about membership drives. It's about being proud of who we are and simply being in this community. The members will come. And come or not, we happy few will remain. And there is no place I'd rather be. Thank you.